welcome to the Practical NLP podcast with me, Andy Smith. Catch up on previous episodes at nlppod.com. Yeah, welcome to the Practical NLP podcast with me, Andy Smith. And today I have a wonderful guest, Deborah Heslin, NLP trainer and wellness coach uh, based in Florida, USA, but originally from where is it in Australia, Deborah? Well, I was originally from Perth. I was born in Perth and I lived in Sydney and Melbourne and New Zealand for five years before coming to the US. Wow. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, pretty well traveled. I, I went to a lot of those places uh, mm-hmm. last year, certainly Perth and Sydney and various other bits of Australia for three glorious months in autumn last year, uh, which I want to go back now. <laughs> Won't be for yeah. a while, I think. Yeah, um, I know. Okay, so um, let me ask you what I ask pretty much all my guests. How did you get into NLP? What a great question. I got into NLP when I was doing a lot of coaching uh, certifications. And uh, one of them was with Jack Canfield, actually. And I became one of his uh, train the trainers, so to speak. And he said during that training, if you haven't done NLP, NLP is a must. And so I went, oh, another training. And that's how I started to investigate. I'd never heard of NLP. I didn't know what it meant, didn't know what it stood for. And uh, so I did some investigation and I signed up. Right. So so Jack Canfield, best-selling author, or yes. he's the chicken soup for the soul guy? Got it. Yeah. 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 It was his success principles uh, training, basically, on, you know, how to be even better or do even more of what it is you want to do. And so I liked him. I liked what he stood for. And so I said, okay, I'm going to look into NLP. Okay. So there's a lot of NLP in in Jack's stuff. Yes. That was good to know. Yeah. Okay. Um, So what's been one of your best experiences of NLP? With NLP? Yeah. Wow. Um, my business expanding from it because I've become better at what I what I do, how I interact with people, how I communicate with people. Um, my biggest client is a New York-based company that has like 70,000 employees. And without my knowledge of NLP, I I don't I don't believe I would have been as good at what I did with them. Okay, work. so you do corporate trainings as well. Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. I have some. That's my biggest client, seventy thousand employees. <laughs> I don't work with every employee there. I work with one particular department. Um, okay, so I'm going to go on a little off-piste excursion here because many of my listeners will be NLP practitioners, mm-hmm. uh, perhaps working in the therapy or one-to-one coaching field, and. They may be wondering what kind of stuff can you do with NLP in a in a corporate setting. Well, so communication is was the first thing that I started with, and they had asked me would I come in and do a workshop for them for um, you know I think it was a couple of hours the first one that I did. So I started thinking or wondering, and what could I do that would be the best impact? And I know for me when I from my corporate background, that communication either with my team members or people um, above me or just any interaction with with my peers, communication was a challenge. 
So the NLP communication model, I pretty much went through that and our filters, just very high level with the filters. And I also did the representational test, right, uh -huh. of, of which system that they were in. It was really quite funny. There were 250 people in the audience that were there. And I was in a big auditorium with, you know, um, projection TVs and everything all around me. It was like they were everywhere around me. So I also had to put myself in a resourceful state uh, to go and teach it, right? And um, the representational tests, we use this program, I can't think of what it's called right now, where they would all jot their, what they were, whether they were visual, auditory, kinesthetic, or auditory digital. And they would all place them up on the screen and it would sort out what the audience was, how many were this, how so, many were that. Right, so you get the results in real time for the yes, whole. Yeah, results in real time because a lot of them were millennials. So it was fun for them to be able to text what they were up there after they did after they did the text. And then there was one person in the audience that put um, ADD instead of AD. <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> Everybody really, really, um, really joined in. So they loved the communication piece. Okay. Hmm. hmm. Um, so you've been. Um... You've been studying NLP, you've been training NLP, you've been using it with clients, one-to-one uh, yeah. -one coaching, corporate mm -hmm. world for, I'm guessing, quite a few years now. It, it's, it's a few years. It's probably, as a trainer, about four, yeah. about four years. Um, but prior to that, I started the coaching business. It's been about 10 years. You know, okay. as um, I had mentioned to you, I was the general manager of John F. Kennedy, right? So I wanted as not the whole airport for one for one airline. And um, I just wanted to feel better. I was yeah. really at the effect of everything happening to me in my life. And didn't matter how much good there was, I didn't feel good. So I got into the coaching business and for myself, really for myself. Right. Yeah. Um, now I can... Mm -hmm. I'm I'm wondering actually if uh, my next question is even uh, appropriate because I bet you're coming from a place. This is a mind read now, um, but uh, we'll see if it's an accurate one. I bet you're coming from a place where like everything that happens happens for a reason, and you learn from it, and so on. Um, so you you may reject the premise of the question altogether. But what do you wish you'd known when you were starting out? that you know now that you what do you wish you'd known when you were starting out in NLP that might have I don't know got you there quicker or easier or it's such a great question because um cause and effect was huge for me for me taking responsibility keeping it very simple if we just focus on cause and effect and taking responsibility for where our focus is and, and what we believe in ourselves, I would have been able to change so many things that happened, not only my whole life, but in the biggest role that I had um, in my career. So rather than me blaming certain situations, because that's what I did and I kept it inside, I would have been able to be solutions driven and right. go, okay, this is happening. What do I want instead of that? And what part of this am I at the effect of? Because I was at the effect of everything. Right. Yeah. So just to break this down for those of our yeah. listeners who, because uh, I think um, the cause and effect thing is not 
universally taught in some schools of NLP. And of course, some oh, of my okay. listeners will be, you know, they haven't done any NLP training or reading around it too much yet. Um, so can, can we just like explain cause and effect, the, the cause and effect model in two minutes? Yes, we can in two minutes. So 95% of the population, and at that time, me, 100% of the time, I was at the effect of everything out here, all the noise out here in my job, in my environment, um, my relationships with what was going on at my work. And I was considered a high-level leader, right? So but things, in, in as you perceived it then, things happened to you. Yeah. yeah, my model of the world, my view of the world, my reality, I was at the effect of all this. Yeah. So what that did to me internally was in, instead of me saying, oh, what could I do different here? I would push unconsciously the blame outside of me onto everyone and everything. It was my job. It was my boss. It was not doing this or not doing that. It was the cold weather in New York. It was everything. Yeah. Rather than me going, oh, what could I do different? Yeah. What could I learn from this? It doesn't mean to say this is still amazing, mm. right? But it's what I could look at it and view it as, as differently and be empowered by that. Yeah. So people, to, to kind of sum up, people who are at the effect end of things, they it's almost like a victim mentality yeah. where things happen that cause them to feel a certain way and take down their choices and there's nothing I can do about it. Exactly. Um, people who decide to put themselves at the cause end of things, they're like, okay, I can make things happen. I have choices. I can take responsibility for my own experience. And um, the thing is, of course, whichever one you put yourself in, uh, it starts generating its own evidence <laughs> through Absolutely. confirmation bias. So, yeah. you know, it's yeah. true whichever way you go. But look to, if we look at it objectively for a moment, um, there are things the world does mm -hmm. that, you know, do affect us. And there are things that we do yeah. that do affect the world. But if we're only focusing on what the world and people around us do to us, we are missing half of that picture. Um, I guess we could probably say, you know, if we ignore the stuff the world does to us and just focus on what we can do, we're probably mm -hmm. missing half of it as well. But the question is, which position is more empowering? Which is a better one? Which is, which is a, a happier and more effective place to be in? Why, why put a gloss in on your capabilities? I love how you said that because ultimately it's how you feel inside, right? If I am feeling good about how I'm responding, how I'm reacting to something, then I'm feeling more empowered and I want to do more. But if I'm at the effect of it and I feel horrible, yeah. then I don't want to stay there. Unless, of course, you do. You're allowed. You're allowed. There are people that love to be miserable and that's fine. I don't like to feel miserable. So I want to do something about it and stepping on, you know, it's either we're going to have the reasons and excuses, right? Or we're going to have the results. And, you know, I, I joke often to, to my clients and even in my trainings, when I first started this work and understood NLP, I used to have a warehouse full of my reasons and excuses, a warehouse full. And then I sold them on eBay I had so many that people wanted to purchase their own reasons and excuses, not really. And now it's down. I have a shoebox just in case I want to have a reason and an excuse. But now I have a warehouse full 
of things that I could do differently and better. Yeah. And, and I, I prefer that. It empowers me. I feel better. Yeah. And, and it's not just feeling better, is it? Because when you do feel better, when you are in a more resourceful state, you've actually got access to more of your own inner resources and you're not putting self-imposed limits on what you can do. So they've, um, there, there's been some research uh, like by Barbara Fredrickson and Alice Ison on the effects of feeling good on your actual cognitive abilities, on your thinking. And what they found is that when you're feeling good, well, they, they put it in scientific terms, they call it like positive affect or something. Feeling good, right. basically. Uh, you can um, think more strategically. You can see the big picture more easily. Yeah. You know, when you're miserable, you kind of like, focus just down on the problem and you ignore all sorts of other stuff that could help you. Uh, you can take in information more quickly so you can reach decisions more rapidly. Uh, you're more creative, I think, because a lot of that is about going up to the big picture and coming down somewhere else in a different place. Uh, you're more resilient because you can uh, recover from setbacks more quickly. Even your physical health improves. So there's all sorts of reasons apart from just feeling better to actually put yourself in this position of um, looking at yourself as the cause of what happens rather than just the, the victim or the effect of what happens. No, I, I love the way that you said that because, you know, me doing um, these trainings for myself ultimately that I wanted to feel better in the very beginning, right, has had an impact on my children. I have three children and, and seven grandchildren, my relationship with my husband, um, my relationship with even the people that I worked with when I was in corporate America, that I felt they're, you know, not sure how to handle certain things. They've not only become my friends, they've taken my trainings, right? And we have become peers in a new sense you know, a new sense of doing and giving back and understanding and learning. So we can all be going through this inner turmoil. But once we decide we want to change our perspective of things and get a new viewpoint, everything opens up for us. Yeah. Yeah. So I, if I can even say to you, my favorite metaphor was that with that is I used to do a lot of rock climbing um, of America's 50 classic climbs, um, you know, some really, really crazy ones. But I remember being on one climb one time and I could not make the next move. I didn't know, I couldn't see the hold, I couldn't do anything. And I'll never forget, I was on, I was on, um, I was the second, there's the lead and then the second climber. And I remember the lead saying to me, Deborah, have you looked all around you? And here I was, I'm here and I'm looking just in this one direction. Yeah. And I looked to the left and went, oh, goodness, like, right? Grab the hold and, and up you go. So if our focus is on uh, being at the effect and, and being the victim, as what you said, then that's really where we're going to go. If we shift yeah. that focus and, and decide on what it is we want and what would be one step to take to get there, everything can change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great, uh, great metaphor to uh, to yeah. explain that as well. Thank um, you. Yeah, it's got everything. High stakes. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, yeah. when you're hanging like you know, literally thousands of feet in the air, it's great to have another option, mm -hmm. right? So it's like life. It, you know, 
all the neurological connections to do something differently is, is so empowering once we realize, you know, being a yoga teacher, sometimes I go, turn yourself upside down, Deb, get a different perspective. What are you not seeing that you could see, you know? Yeah. Okay, right. Next question then. Yeah. Um, who do you really admire in NLP and what are you really excited about in NLP at the moment? Uh, there's a lot of people I admire, uh, Ted James being one of them who, whom I studied under and, and his wife, Adriana, who's also doing a lot of work in the field, Robert Diltz. Um, I love I love the founders of NLP, Ben Grinder. I, you know, watch their YouTube stuff. I haven't studied under them. Robert Diltz is somebody that uh, organically, I really feel he is um, just such an authentic, genuine person. Yeah. I just love his approach and his calmness and his softness to, to teaching. So, yeah, I admire a lot of people. Dave Shepard is another one. And, of course, Tony Robbins. Mm -hmm. yeah. So what are you excited about in NLP at the moment? I'm excited about more learnings. I'm excited I met you. Um, I, I love uh, Doug O'Brien also. He's somebody else that I've, I've been uh, studying a little bit with. And I'm excited that I have another training coming up in August, my first virtual. <laughs> Normally I do them in person, so this is going to be fun. So, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, so, so this will be a stretching experience, the switching to virtual, um, yeah. especially as up till very recently uh, a lot of NLP trainers in, in response to these yeah. um NLP certification trainings that uh, you can get for like $15 on Udemy that are pretty much non-interactive. They, they were saying, you know, you can't train NLP online. You have to be in the room with the person. You have to get feedback. Um, and now a lot of NLP trainers that I admire are actually reaching into the virtual realm and trying this out. Um, so it will be really interesting to find out what you have to do to actually make this work. Yeah, and I love that you said that because, you know, if you think about NLP, it is, you know, the state of curiosity, right? So rather than, you know, saying, oh, no, we need to do it this way and we need to do it that way, how about we try on a different way of doing because it's a new way of being right now. So I'm excited about it. I've been doing some other trainings that have been virtual. So I've gotten used to the Zoom platform. Yep. breakout rooms you know be monitoring the breakout rooms and you know it, it's going to be fantastic so I'm going through my whole presentation and whole interaction that I'm going to be doing and making some um, some small changes along the way so that it would be you know if I can even say a lot of my clients are virtual yeah right I have people all over the world that that I work with so I can't touch their knuckle to do anchoring, right? So there's different ways we could teach it and what the process of anchoring is and everything, but we can do different ways. So I'm really excited about that. I really am. Okay, so we've reached the point in the podcast where I'm going to ask you what's, um, what's one of your favorite kind of interventions or techniques, something that our listeners could uh, maybe, or viewers actually, as we're also doing it on video, um, that they could tr maybe try out and use for themselves to, I don't know, help solve a problem, just feel better in the moment? Uh, what, what have you got for us? Uh, I will go with submodalities, which is, which is um, uh, pictures, you know, 
And for me, it's, which is another interesting thing, that in the beginning, I didn't like submodalities. I was like, oh, what is this? What is this, right? And now I love it because not only am I able to see the changes in my clients, but able to make it myself. And just before this call with you, I had a client working with pictures that she was having of certain situations that she wasn't feeling good. So right. for me, one of the best ways with submodalities is when you're in that state or, or you're wanting to change from this to where you want to be, when you think of that, do you have a picture or a, like the way that you say it, what do you see, yeah. right? And then you can go through the submodalities, which is just finer distinctions, you know, is it in black and white or color? Is it near or far? Is it bright or dim? And, you know, the sounds and the feelings around it. And hers were very different to that which when you have been in charge of your situation, when you think of that, what do you see? And it was so different. The picture was bright. This one was dim. And then, of course, we we um, we change it over. So... I love submodalities. Right. So, so again, um, for those of our listeners who are just coming into NLP, it may um, something that you probably wouldn't realize until you uh, start looking at NLP is that um, how we feel uh, about things, uh, it's not just what we're thinking about. It's the way that we think about it. It's the way that we represent it in our minds. So the intensity of a, a response to, let's say, a, a happy picture, a picture of a, some goal you want to achieve, right. uh, if that picture is of a fantastic goal, you know, so maybe, uh, you know, an amazing house that you want to get or uh, something that you really want to achieve could be an amazing thing. But if that picture is just like a little black and white snapshot that's like uh, two inches wide and it's not moving and it's a little bit blurry, you're not going to have much of an emotional response to it. Exactly. Whereas if, yeah, if you were to make yeah. it bigger and make it colorful and maybe put a bit of movement in there and clear it up and make it yeah. more real. Yeah. Yeah. Like adjusting the, the, you know, I mean, we all know that NLP is not very well named and some, some of the jargon is not either. I did not know what submodalities were in the very yeah. beginning. And, you know, but explaining that we all see things differently. We'll see something maybe brighter. We might see it dim, as you said, it might be, uh, close to us and, and full-fledged color if it's something we love you know and something that we don't love might be way away from us so there's lots of finer distinctions in that and when we can get the differences and change those differences the drivers that make the difference it is amazing what can happen you know to the person just with those things that they see in their mind yeah so should we should we perhaps um set the listeners a little example something they can try just you know changing the qualities of the picture and seeing what happens yeah sure sure uh, so what would you like to pitch Should we pick a state or something that... uh yeah something well something good yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. something something that's pleasant to think right. about yeah. um so i don't know maybe what um what does confidence look like to you? Maybe yeah. how about that? 
or when you think of confidence, what do you see, right? So what do you see when, you, when you've been really confident? What is it that you see? You, and, and then have them, you know, is you can even do it like make it brighter. If you make it brighter, does it feel better to you? If you bring it closer and make it panoramic around you, does that make you feel better? If it doesn't, just take it back a, a, a little bit, you know, so that this way, then you can incorporate the what sounds how are you standing i like that one how are you standing when you're really confident what are your shoulders doing is it the wonder woman or the superman stance or you know really incorporate how are people looking at you when you're confident right, right. what are you saying to yourself so you can incorporate all of those things and then you know anchor it in place or really envision that picture and bring it inside of you. So there's so much that you can do to, to. Yeah. So, so, so what you're doing there is um, starting out fairly simple with a little picture and making yeah. it maybe, well, whatever size it is when it starts yeah. and then maybe making it a bit bigger, maybe making it a bit brighter um, and then bringing in other senses, like, well, actually making it panoramic. So you're kind of inside it. Looking at it from the inside and bringing other senses like sound, and then finally, where you went with that, as as if if I'm right in thinking this, is you went into the kind of embodiment of it of what do you stand like when you're feeling confident, and all of these things framed as questions. So, yeah. um, if you're framing it as a question, they kind of have to try it on, don't That's they, right. to uh, to be able to answer it. Uh, whereas if you say, okay, stand like you do when you're confident, then right. we go, I can't. Right. <laughs> because, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So questions are a great way of getting around resistance, aren't they? They really are. They really are. Listen, and I do this myself when I have to go and present like that time I was saying in the corporate um, America role, you know, I did all that for myself. How am I standing when I'm confident, when I've been confident in the past and bring that into me. And then at the end of that, when, um, I actually got a standing ovation at that one that I did that day, which was my first one incorporating NLP into a big, a big event like that, a big corporate event. So then I recognized what, how I felt in that moment, you know, yeah. so that I could really incorporate. So if I ever want to bring that back, I have that picture from what I see then, what I felt then, right? What I heard myself say, what I heard the audience doing you know, wanting more from when are you coming back, they said, right? Oh, wow, they want me back. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, so we can, I can bring it back in now, as you can see. Yeah, so that's like a, a strong reference experience for yes. you. And uh, yes. yeah, I'd encourage our listeners, if you get any of those naturally occurring along the way, remember them, keep them, hold on to them. Um, right. We should put probably a little cheat sheet or something about submodalities in the show notes or you know if you've got an article or something about them on we can link to that or otherwise i can just put you know a list of submodalities uh in the show notes so people understand what we're on about yeah what they are and you know i mean the submodalities checklist is a wonderful reference because yeah. under the wall we have we have different things if we see it in black and white or color near or far bright or dim right and because that's the first thing you know what do you see right that you're yeah. i don't know why i'm always going this side <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> because that's what i'm seeing yeah but yeah. you know 
it's just the finer distinctions and it's very, very powerful. It's very powerful. So if we're not in a resourceful state, what is the picture we have then? And then we can enhance mm. it from those ones that made us feel good. Yeah. And um, in my experience, it's a lot easier to change the submodalities, the qualities of a picture than it is to try and change the content of the picture and make go. it turn out yeah. a different way. So, yeah, content. at least, you know, easier yeah. to start with those anyway. Yes, that's a great way to say it. I like that. Mm. I like that a lot. Okay, so um, what, do you, what do you wish for the field of NLP in the future? Um. I, so just the other day, one of my students uh, posted on Facebook where I was talking about my next training coming up and they said it should be taught in schools. I wished I'd learned it in schools. And to me, I've actually done a workshop for um, a big administrative staff in Broward County um, on communication. I did it on communication. I would love to see some of the, some of the tools and techniques taught in schools. I think it's just so powerful. If I'd had it when I was in school as a teenager, mm. yeah. Yeah, one of our um, previous interviewees, uh, Gemma Bailey, based in the UK, uh, has a company called NLP for Kids, where she she yeah. actually trains teachers in uh, working in schools with, uh, with NLP. And oh, she's that's also, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So that it, it definitely can be applied. Yeah, definitely. absolutely. Absolutely. You know, the tools are so, so powerful. And I've also heard that, you know, sometimes it can have a, a bad name for itself that that I actually do not understand. Because it's all in how we use everything, you know, and it, to me, it's it's helped me tremendously. And it's helped my clients tremendously. And, you know, my husband wants to do one of my trainings now, because he's like, fascinated by not only my clients that he'll sometimes, you know, see come and go and the, and quote, quote, their transformations because they've done the work, but also me where he, he had to take care of me when I was not in a very good state. And so he's literally witnessed the changes. And he's like, Oh, what is that NLP? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So um, finally, uh, what are you doing with NLP now and where can our listeners find you, find out more about your work and your courses and stuff? So I'm doing a training in August. It's August 9th through the 15th. It's my first virtual one. So I'm, I'm excited about that. And uh, it's going to be on Zoom. And so they could find me on DebraHeslinWellness.com. And yeah. Okay, well, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. And uh, one of the nice things about not me personally not running NLP practitioner courses anymore is we're not competing. So we're, no, we're quite exactly. happy for people to know about this. That's, That's uh, awesome. Thank you so much, Andy. Okay. Yeah. So I have people on it worldwide, which is really interesting. There's someone from New Zealand that signed up, and I'm in Fort Lauderdale on Eastern Standard Time and all over the, U the United States. So it's going to be a great group. Yeah. So really, the only limit is the um, is the time zones that suit people. And as right. you say, if you've got somebody from New Zealand who's uh, willing to get up in the middle of the night, then yep. two o'clock in the morning her time starts. So that's kind of uh, kind of early. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you very much, Deborah. And um, I'm sure your uh, your first virtual NLP practitioner training will go absolutely splendidly. Yeah. Thank you so much. I'm really looking forward to it. And thank you for having me as a guest. Oh, it's been a real pleasure. Thanks. I love everything that you do. I love your websites, everything. And I'm glad I found you. Thank oh, you. Right. Well, uh, mutual. Yeah. Great. Thank you very much. Take care. Yeah, you too. That's it for this week's podcast. Remember, you can see the show notes for this episode at nlppod.com and you can download back episodes you may have missed from the online store at webstore.nlppod.com. See you next time.